0: The students in the control schools over the course of the year, across all the I think seven or so questions that we asked them in terms of how interested are you in science, you know, how do you see yourself progressing in science and things like that, their responses on average decreased over the course of the year across almost all the questions that we asked. So those students that were sitting in their science class in their last year of of junior high school. Their attitudes towards the subject were naturally decreasing over yeah. time, and the students in the experimental schools increased uh, across uh, almost all of the questions that we asked. So, this intervention, you know, to me, one of the main things it's doing is it's, it's building the interest in, for the students. You know, it's. Um, Which is crucial. It's really hard to learn when you're not interested.
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. uh, Welcome to another episode of B Y L Ask. We have Heather Beam. We loved her so much, we had to get her back, and she graciously agreed to come. Um, For those of you who missed the first episode, um, the first interview we had with Heather Beam, uh, let's just have her introduce herself.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Heather, and I started an NGO called Practical Education Network, which is based in Accra, Ghana.
1: So just before we actually talk about Penn, I um, just want to speak a bit more about your background.
0: Sure. So um, I my background is I grew up in the U.S. and was fortunate to get to go to MIT for graduate school. I studied mechanical engineering while I was there, um, but being at MIT really opened my eyes to a lot of ways that I could apply my engineering background to things that I hadn't expected, that I hadn't heard of outside of traditional things. And I found myself gravitating towards opportunities for me to apply my skills in international settings, especially in development settings. Um, So... There is a particular program at MIT called D-Lab that has grown into a very popular program. And I I started doing some activities, some projects over there. And uh, through that, I got connected to some schools in Takrati here in Ghana and um, started reaching out to them and discussing how we could collaborate, Um, and I was curious to know if it would be possible to share some of the things that I was getting to experience at MIT in terms of the hands-on practical approach to teaching and learning, if it would be possible to share some of those projects and techniques with their school. Um, And that that was the start, and um, we could go more into details if you'd like, but (laughs) A few years later, I've moved fully to Ghana and have been pursuing that question um, fully.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um, we're definitely going to touch or go back into it at some point um, during this this conversation. Um, so how did that, um, j- just before we go in depth into PEN, for that's the core of what we're talking about, How did that sort of lead you to the point where you are now um, at Ashesi University?
0: So I moved to Ghana about three and a half years ago. And um, moving here, I was fully focused on getting Penn, this organization, up and off the ground um, to try and impact students in, in practical STEM education approaches. Um, in the last one and a half years, I've also been teaching engineering at Ashesi University. Um, there's a few things that led me there. I think part of it was uh, here, everybody knows about Ashesi. It has a reputation of being a quality educational. Ashesi has managed to at least to a large degree to, and succeeded at creating an environment where students are you know, challenged to think beyond, you know, boxed answers and to engage each other in discussion and kind of wrestle with ideas um, and not just, and not come out thinking the same way that they were thinking before. I think Ashesi has succeeded at that.
1: Interesting, okay. So how has this sort of shaped your um, perspective to teaching, How, how has it opened your eyes to teaching? With regard to um, seeing how you experience teaching at MIT, and you now being on the other side and lecturing at a how has this opened up your perspective to teaching?
0: Yeah, so you know, I've for the last few years, I've I've dedicated myself to helping other teachers make their teaching engaging, experiential, practical. Yeah. And now that I myself am, am in the hot seat, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> I'm. it's an interesting, um, lear, it's a very useful learning experience for myself to also have to, you know, it, it brings empathy for the teacher to another level <laughs> because I myself am now one of them. And I also have to try and, and find innovative ways of making my teaching also engaging. So it's... Yeah, it's been a very helpful experience in me sort of understanding the the user that I'm seeking to support as well.
1: Interesting. All right, so let's talk about PEN. Um, that's a great way to come into PEN. What is PEN? Tell us a bit about it.
0: So PEN is an NGO that is seeking to shift the normal mode of teaching and learning in STEM in the Ghanaian classroom to a mode of Practical inquiry based approaches. Um, right now, a lot of classes lack materials, and therefore, teachers feel very limited in what they can carry out um, with their STEM lessons. Mm-hmm. And we don't think that materials should be the limiting factor. You know, what I experienced at MIT was that regardless of what you do or you don't have, there's an ethos of finding things around hacking, tinkering, building things. And that should be replicable regardless of the specific resources that you're working with. And so our goal is to equip teachers here in Ghana with this skill, this ethos, um, for finding locally available materials and repurposing them into hands-on activities. So the core of what we do is a training program for primary school, junior high school, senior high school, science and mathematics teachers, and we help them learn how they can improvise materials into hands-on activities that are aligned to their curricula.
1: Interesting. Okay, um, so l- let's talk a bit about some of the, the materials that you've introduced into the teacher training program you run. Um, I, I would, on one level, qualify those materials as education technology, but, but can you... Can you explain or, or talk us through some of the products um, you use?
0: Yeah, so we look for very simple, low-cost materials that could be found in any normal village or town here in Ghana. So we're talking about balloons, flowers, stones, water bottles, plastic bags, <laughs> straws, toothpicks. Um, these things we don't normally pay attention to, but we have a lot of these things around, so why not try and, and repurpose them into teaching activities? So I agree with you. I think it's technology. I, I would call it low tech um, if I were to put a name on it. So yeah, it's it's practical and it's a physical materials, but it's um, something that you know, schools can realistically find.
1: OK. Wonderful. Um, you, you know, there's this notion, right? Since we're now calling it low tech, I won't take away the low and just call it education technology. Um, okay. There's this notion that teachers are typically, or some teachers are typically, a, or are less open to using education technology. And the roster of a lot of failed education technology, there's a lot of blame on the side of the product designers and saying they never empathized with the target audience, but also there's some blame on the teacher side saying they are very resistant to new education technology. Um, What have you seen in terms of the acceptance or the reception by teachers and even education uh, regulatory bodies and the school themselves?
0: I think that for most human beings, it's, it's hard to adjust and adapt to New things um, in a systematic way, um, so I, I can understand how they're, you know, a lot a lot of things don't get taken up immediately. Um, we we have seen uh, teachers not very comfortable when we're um, trying to use um, trying to get them to use their phone to search for things and things like that. But in terms of the uh, local materials that we've brought in, we have gotten quite positive reception from the teachers. Um, when we ask them, you know, is there anything here that you don't think you would be able to find, it's, it's rare that they would list very many things. They all feel confident that they can gather these things and and do it themselves. Um, so in terms of the comfort with with the technology that we're introducing, I think the comfort is there. The challenge is more in the longer-term uptake. You know, long-term behavior change is difficult uh, in every situation, I think.
1: The question is more of, um, would they apply the things that they know they can find around in with, in their classes, like the reception to the application of these things they see around and know they can find around? In-
0: so we have learned early on Whatever we introduce to the teachers should be very explicitly aligned to the national curriculum. Mm. So we've we've made sure that you know indicator by indicator, our activities match what is listed in the in the sort of the national expectation for what they should be covering, mm. and that has helped a lot in getting the teachers to mm. um, see the benefit and 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 themselves. Begin to apply and implement in their classrooms. So we do see teachers implementing these things, especially when it's um, when it's when it when they are activities that they themselves got to try during the training. You know, mm-hmm. in the training we can only cover a handful of them, as as compared to the hundreds of ideas that we have in our manuals. And so we see that the teachers are are usually most comfortable. Implementing the ones that they themselves got to try firsthand. Yeah. Um, and then we're, as I mentioned, you know, long-term behavior change is hard, and it's something that we've been um, looking into, researching, interviewing people for the last few years to figure out how we can better enable teachers to implement these things on a longer-term basis. Interesting. And there's a whole lot of factors that that come into that equation but in terms of short short term implementation post training we do see we do see teachers doing that
1: Interesting. okay do you know why do you know what informs the immediate
0: i think it's they are excited when they get to do this themselves and especially when they when they may have personally learned some something about the concept through through doing that hands-on activity, mm. it's also more meaningful to them and they're eager to share it with their students. Um, so I think when they when they themselves have that enthusiasm and themselves have experienced the benefit, then they're eager to go and share it right away.
1: Interesting, interesting. Okay, um, that's actually quite interesting. So it brings me to the question of what sort of skill, right, or behavior would a teacher need to have to be able to think and look for these things and put them together and what are you seeing in terms of when you first engage with a new set of teachers what sort of skills are they coming in with what sort of mindset and behaviors are they coming in with and what would be an ideal skill level to make a teacher comfortable to think and use and use those things, and what would be an ideal mindset of
0: Yeah. So when we first interact with teachers at our training, we give them a survey, and one of the questions we ask is, how feasible do you think it is to do a hands-on activity in your classroom? And across the board we get generally low uh, number of responses. People don't generally feel it's very feasible for them to, to do these things. And we also ask, what is the main challenge for you in, in your role as a science teacher? And about 70% of them mention something related to the lack of materials. Mm. So, And this is consistent across the various regions that we have gone to in Ghana. It's it's interesting, it's like the same exact mindset in the different parts of the country. So generally, teachers, these science teachers, they don't have materials, and it's therefore, you know, very difficult for them to do anything practical and, and meaningful for their students. But then we also ask, you know, are there benefits to, to making your teaching practical and hands-on? And they overwhelmingly say, yes, you know, these are the types of things that we want our students to do. So this is the mindset um, the teachers are coming in with. There's this desire um, to address this, this glaring need, but they don't, they feel like their hands are tied. Mm. And at the end of just a one-day interaction that we have with them, we've measured a statistically significant increase in their um perception of what is feasible. So we ask that same question at the end of the day. How feasible is it to do a hands-on activity in your classroom? And they all pretty much, you know, report a higher a higher feasibility. So it's interesting that just after the short exposure to some of these things, um, the attitudes and mindsets can start changing. Um, but for a teacher to get to the the state that you're describing, where they're fully able to tinker and build and improvise, we're realizing, you know, it takes more than that. There, there are sort of layers to reaching that point. Um, there are various skills that can be added up to reaching that point. You know, the first the first layer is the exposure layer, mm-hmm. so that you you start to believe. Mm. You start to see these things and you start to believe that it's possible to do them. But then there are other layers before you can, you know, sort of have a full toolkit, so to say, that you, you feel like you can draw from. So that's what we're now trying to shift our training model to is engaging teachers on a longer basis so that we can um, go deeper with them and help them more holistically develop.
1: Can it be assumed then that the, the initial shock willingness to do it doesn't come from so much um a newly acquired technical skill but just from the evidence that it's possible um to use these things it's possible you're not your hands are not tied really so the shot you get mm-hmm. from What happens is basically, hey, this is possible and just put it in front of them and not so much technical skills. But for the longer term and for them to be able to tinker with things, they would need to have certain technical skills and a bit of maybe more reinforcement of the initial belief.
0: Yes, that is that is our where we are getting to in our understanding of of the ecosystem here
1: and how teachers work. Wonderful. This is this is exciting stuff. Okay, just w- walk us through the, like for the next one minute what a typical pen teacher training program looks like.
0: Okay, so we gather teachers together at a location that is somewhat central to whatever population we're serving, whether that be a district or a circuit or any other group of schools. And the teachers um, spend the day with us. So in the very first interaction with them, we, we like to do what we call a design challenge, which is something that I got to do a lot as an engineering student. It's like you're presented with a scenario that you have to work in a team and, and iterate and prototype and I, a solution, a physical uh, product that can address whatever challenge was presented to you. And that's really exciting for them. It builds, uh, they're immediately thrown into teams and it's, the expectation is set that, you know, you're going to be doing stuff in this training and you're going to be working with other people. And um, it's interesting. A lot of times when teachers first show up, they kind of are annoyed because, you know, someone told them they have to go to a training on a Saturday or whatever. But then once we start getting into these things, they're they're smiling, they're taking pictures, it's (laughs) Um, after that, so in this, in this first, uh, interaction that we have with them, this first day of training, what we've got, what we've heard based on feedback from a lot of teachers is, you know, they're just so excited when they see some of these activities that they, there's this sense of show me everything that you have. (laughs) So basically how we've structured the training is we, we have stations set up where there are there's one of our hands-on activity at each of the stations. Then they, in their team, they move to each station, work through the activity, ask, some, um, answer some questions about the concepts that that activity shows, and they move to the next one. Mm. And there's this sense of, like, they just want to see everything that's there. So we basically set it up so that we can try to cover as, as many of these as possible. Again, not, going, not necessarily going super in-depth, but exposing them to... Uh, what's what's possible?
1: Interesting. And, and, I've heard so much about angry teachers showing up for training and leaving angry. Um, so it's interesting that after the first um, design challenge, right, um, that they they start smiling. Um, so typically, how long does this training take? And do have you found that all teachers or most people still stay very engaged through each of the um, sessions? They
0: yeah, the engagement the engagement generally stays high. I mean, um, when people start getting hungry, then we take a break and have lunch. But overall, the engagement actually stays relatively high through through the training. Um, and it's just this this first interaction again is just a one day, you know, f- basically from eight to three or something like that. Um, that's that's how long it is and. There's only a few times where we've done a multi-day training. A lot of times it's just one day one day here and then one day at another point in time.
1: Um, what are some, some verbatims you've gotten after the one-day training from teachers um, that sort of captures how they've experienced
0: Yeah, so some, uh, we often hear teachers saying, that they wish this workshop would be offered every term or every month, or that they they think that this thing should be brought to every corner of Ghana. So there's this sense that, you know, we want we want everyone to be exposed to these things, and we want some regular um, interaction with this content. Um, we've also heard that teachers say, "I feel more confident." As, as a teacher now, now that I have some of these tools at my mm. disposal, and we've also heard people say um, that they're more interested in in their role now. It's like the, the, the tools are making it more of an interesting task for them to take on. Mm. Um, yeah, those are some of the things we've
1: heard. Interesting. We can assume then that the reason for the drop in inspiration is basically psychological and feeling and doing the same thing over and over again and not thinking what you're doing is having any impact for if they're saying this should be taken round and this is how it should be done it must mean that their current practice they don't feel it has the necess- this right level of impact
0: yes i think generally not just te- teachers but other stakeholders recognize that there is a, there's a need for improvement when it comes to um, STEM education, that um, there, there's room for improvement. And, you know, a lot of students are failing the national exam every year in, in science. And that's what a lot of stakeholders are, are looking at. And so it's it's obvious that, you know, improvement is needed.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, since you brought up the students, let's talk about the students who are the end goal customers, right? Um, that's, they're the reasons why the teachers are being trained. Um, mm-hmm. You recently did a research to measure the impact um, on students, mm-hmm. right? Can, can you tell us a bit about that?
0: Yes. So as you just said, we we interact with the teachers, but ultimately it's the students who, who, who benefit and, and are really the end goal. And, um, So in order to understand how our work can impact students, we set up a controlled study over the course of one academic year. We selected three schools to receive a weekly training from one of our master trainers. Uh, Each week, they would be trained on one activity in our manual. So our trainer would take that, that science teacher through that activity, and then also observe them as they were doing their lesson to give feedback on anything that they thought could be improved. And then we had three schools that were close to each of our original three that served as a control um, set. And so we administered um, surveys and exams to all the students at the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year. And so taking the difference between pre and post results, we found, our two major findings were around the students' exam scores and their students' attitudes towards science. So their interest, their confidence, all of that. So in terms of the exam scores, we found that the, experiment, the students in the experimental schools had a 97% higher increase in their exam scores than those in the control schools. Hmm. So almost double the learning increase In the experimental schools by those students who were doing um, a hands-on activity every week. And again, these are very simple, low-cost things. It's not a um, super, you know, complex intervention or something. Um, And then in terms of the students' attitudes towards science, this one was, was striking to me. The students in the control schools over the course of the year, across all the I think seven or so questions that we asked them in terms of how interested are you in science, you know, how do you see yourself progressing in, in science and things like that, their responses on average decreased over the course of the year mm. across almost all the questions that we asked. So those students that were sitting in their science class in their last year of, of junior high school, their attitudes towards the subject were naturally decreasing over yeah. time and the students in the experimental schools increased uh, across uh, almost all of the questions that we asked so this intervention you know to me one of the main things it's doing is it's it's building the interest in it for the students you know it's um, which is crucial it's really hard to learn when you're not interested and it's also really i think you know as a the the Ghanaian education the entire system needs to reflect and think. You know, how can we best, you know, equip equip students to be to be good um, to make an educated decision about what they choose for senior high school? Because you know, these young people they're they're deciding what they're going to major in in senior high school, which then affects what they're going to study in university. And at this crucial juncture if their interests are decreasing in science and we don't know what it's like in other subjects and maybe the same you know what can we do so that this isn't happening you know it's not enough to think that oh we're just cruising along with the status quo from the students perspective it's actually getting worse over time as they sit in school so these are some things i hope we can all look at seriously
1: that's that's actually quite profound and the other thing I'm thinking about, I'm wondering what happens to teachers' motivation since they're getting exposure to the master trainer a lot more um, than what they typically would have gotten from the trainees you you do.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, yeah, you're right. They they got a regular interaction with the master trainers. And I think that's also a big that was also probably a big help you know having someone there's something that I've you know experienced now that I'm also in a teaching role having someone just check on you once in a while and and see what you're doing and just be provide a little bit of encouragement can go a long way you know if if I'm trying something completely new in my class I would love it if someone you know saw that and and recognized it and just said you know oh wow that's so great that you you know tried this this new thing. Yeah. so I think you're right that having that extra presence there also must have motivated the teachers
1: interesting okay um, let's get to, into a bit of more future uh, facing things what's your vision for teacher training and education
0: my vision for teacher training okay let me let me start with my vision for education so I hope so you know, Penn's goal is that the teaching of, of STEM will be practical and engaging on, an, on a normal basis, on a regular basis, you know, that students, you know, instead of saying the chew and pour thing about how they're memorizing facts and, and pouring them back out, you yeah. know, we won't, we won't hear students saying that when they talk about their experience in, in science and math. They'll talk about, oh, I, I did this experiment and I had this question and I tried it out and we did a project you know, these will be some of the things they use to describe their, their STEM experience. That's what, you know, Penn, Penn is aiming for. And I guess I also, on top of that, hope that we start seeing this, the stakeholders in education also viewing education as a tool for holistic development of, of the students, um, not just, you know, a means to... An end, but it's it's a journey in which we have the opportunity to shape the worldview, the attitudes, and really help the students be challenged to to move into his or her full potential. I hope that you know, yeah, that we that education starts to be viewed a bit more like.
1: Okay, what about teacher training?
0: (laughs) Teacher training. Well, I think, so when we ask teacher, the teachers that we've trained, you know, have you ever attended any training like this that addresses the needs you have for making your teaching practical, less than 5% of them say that they have attended something like that, at least in the recent um, past. And so there's a clear need for additional professional development opportunities for teachers and There are I think a growing number of organizations providing Training for teachers and even within you know, the government itself. It does a series of of trainings. I I would hope that teacher training would become more Specific I think right now a lot of it is is generic Uh, we sort of, I think teachers are going to these things and they're kind of hearing the same thing over and over again in slightly different forms. I also hope that teacher training would continue to, the things that are being offered in training would continue to evolve in significant ways. I feel like a lot of times like vocabulary changes, but the actual stuff that is being covered in the training doesn't really move anybody forward
1: yeah
0: so those are some of the things i i hope for on the training side
1: wonderful okay um what do you what do you currently believe about education um and you said i think you stated some of it in your vision but what do you currently believe about education that not a lot of people will agree with you on
0: Mm. (laughs) hmm Let's see. I would say, I I think that one thing that's not maybe not a popular view is we shouldn't be forcing students into schools without a very specific plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, aside from the social skills that students get from interacting with each other, you know, to me like. The research that we saw, if interests are decreasing in subjects based on them sitting there, you know, what's the point of having them, them be there? It's it's better that we have system quality systems in place before we're funneling students in, and so that to me necessarily comes at a cost, and so I think that people should be willing to pay for quality educational things, products, and services. Um, I think that, you know, a lot, a lot of people think a lot of educational things should be free, but um, I think there's, you know, it, it's, if, if something is quality, then you should be able to pay for it. And
1: uh, So I have a few more questions. Um, I'm curious, in the past, uh, in the recent past, what has changed drastically about your mindset, right, with regards to maybe teacher training or education, um, in the in the course of running? Hmm. The- wow. Um, about my own
0: mindset. Yeah. Let's see. Well, I'm not sure if this is exactly a mindset, but I, I'm learning that. The whole, like education has a lot of stakeholders, more so than some other sectors. And so yeah. to really change things requires, there's a lot of complexity. Mm-hmm. I think that the further I, I go into this, the more complex the system becomes to me. There are, you know, we set, set out originally to, you know, just equip the teacher with skills um, and maybe attitudes. And then now we're realizing, okay, you know, the curriculum itself should have some of these ideas in it. The The licensing standards that teachers are being held to should have something in this. The monitoring tools that the districts are using when they go around to schools, it should have something, some of these things in it. Um, what teachers are exposed to before they enter the profession should also include some of these things. So I think that's, that's one thing I'm coming to learn or appreciate is just... The complexity of of the system
1: interesting a lot of working parts a lot of stakeholders um, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm actually very curious um stem is still largely regarded as a feud for men um at least in in parts of ghana right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. have you seen any um significant difference significant difference with the way in which the female STEM teachers um, receive your lessons and as compared to the male, and what has been your, ex- your own personal experience in the journey?
0: In terms of the teachers, um, I don't think I can make a blanket statement about how the, the female teachers have used the content differently than the men. But I do think that the introduction of something new, a new style of things, seems to kind of level the playing field. Like at the trainings, we see that, you know, there may be some some men who feel very confident that, oh, yeah, I'm the master of all the scientific knowledge (laughs) to be had or whatever. Um, And then when they're grouped in their teams, you know, they're sort of dominating, but then once you place something that's new to everybody in front of them, it's, it's like it's an even playing field. Anybody can come in and bring their ideas on board. Um, I think we have had to sort of coax some of the female teachers into feeling comfortable to, to be vocal in those situations, but um, we, we, have seen, we have seen the female teachers step up more.
1: So what's your personal experience in STEM? And do you have some role models you look up to?
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I studied engineering and I chose that because I enjoyed math in school. I'm kind of a strange person. I, I enjoyed learning math Mathematics. But I felt like I wanted something a bit more creative, an avenue to more creatively work than just purely solving math problems. Mm-hmm. So, and I was fortunate. My there was a free um, summer camp right after I completed high school. There was uh, an engineering summer camp, and I went and I got exposed to a little bit of robotics and a little bit of bridge building and. Um, a little bit of these things that, you know, you, you could do as an engineer. And I, it was very exciting to me. And so I thought this could be something that I could pursue, even though I didn't have a specific role model in engineering before that. Um, yes. So that's, that's kind of how I entered the fields. And I, I love engineering. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great field um, where you get to build, you get to do projects, um, so I love it. And
1: <laughs> modern terrible. education, modern, le- modern. Teaching? No, I love.
0: I love both. I love both. How um,
1: wonderful! <laughs> okay. Um, just before we get to our final question, right? There's this push for uh, moving, uh, moving away. Not so much a push; it has actually happened. Uh, moving away from STEM to STEAM. Does this in any way um, alter or affect how you're currently training teachers and the products you use?
0: Yeah, so to me Okay. The the benefit of, of Steam is that you know you you bring in more explicitly this creative piece to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's certainly a benefit to that. You know, I think the types of skills that we're trying to get our teachers to embody uh, involve creativity. You know, you you have to, you know, exert your creative muscle in order to think of how you can put these things, these materials together, how you can, you know, replace a material with a different one if you don't have that particular thing immediately available. And I think that having, you know, arts and design could really help with that. They're not things that you normally are learning in a science context. And so to me, I think that's, that'll be a strong benefit for using STEAM. But I will say that, you know, I'm not really big on vocabulary. I think these are, you know, there's acronyms that come in and out. And to me, they're just, they're just words. You know, what does it actually mean at at the end of the day is what I'm interested in. So whether we're talking, whether we use the word STEM or STEAM, I don't personally really care as long as, you know, we're getting to the end goal, like I was describing.
1: Wonderful. All right, Heather. Um, so last question is a bit more personal. What is your favorite holiday hangout spot in Ghana?
0: Hmm. Holiday hangout spot. Okay. Um, there are some beaches in Volta region that I've been to that are quite nice. Um, there's the Maranatha Beach. Um, there's the beaches in Keta. So those would probably be the, the first ones I would I would think of if I if I get a free weekend. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. So guys, you've heard it. If you're ever in Ghana, go look for the Volta region or call Heather to give you um, the Google Maps spot. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for making time to do this. It's always a pleasure talking to you and talking about um, education and engineering and teacher training. Um, looking forward to the, the next phase of things, looking forward to how you solve the problem of the very complex um, ecosystem uh, within education education in in Ghana and maybe Africa I'll um, be following your work I'm a big fan um, yeah until we chat again I'm sure I suspect you might be the first person we call to have a conversation for the third time
0: <laughs> I'll be happy to do that
1: <laughs> wonderful thank you so much Hannah enjoy the rest of your day
0: sure